0: Ever notice the amount of spin that a company or a politician will put on a topic to make it more appealing to themselves? And in many cases, that spin, not so much effective with the people that that person is speaking to. It does happen quite often. Former National Lampoon members Henry Beard and Chris Cerf have put together a book looking at this lingo called Spinglish, The Definitive Dictionary of Deliberately Deceptive Language. And they join us on the phone right now, Henry, Chris. I have to say, I, I I truly enjoyed going through and looking at some of the terms you came up with.
1: And Dan, we're we're appreciative, and we're also happy that you said that you truly enjoyed rather than virtually. Enjoyed.
0: Correct. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And and the, let's start right there because because there are so many terms. I think, and really, this has happened in the last five years or so, where. A term will get into the vernacular of somebody at a higher level, and then it'll just kind of filter down, and it becomes part of the vernacular of the public, which is probably one of the most frustrating things in this whole process.
1: Yeah, it really is, because we, we've really invented, or de- developed, or however you want to put it. A second language, and a yeah. language in addition to English, which of course is English. But because English itself has got a million words and it's made up of two languages, really English, you know, Old Anglo Saxon and Latin, which is where all the, the multisyllabic, evasive words come from. I didn't kill you, I terminated you yes. with extreme prejudice. But yeah, as, as Chris had pointed out, over the last five years, as you said, particularly social media and the requirement for people to be available, particularly politicians, but any kind of spokesperson or a or, 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 uh, spin doctor to be available 24 hours a day, they have to have language on their lips all the time. And they get in the habit of coming up with things that if they seem a little off-color, they won't be caught with that, that bad with.
0: Yeah. Chris, I'm guessing that, in part, uh, the comedic backgrounds that, that both you and Henry have kind of led you to this book?
2: Well, I think that's really true. In fact, um, Henry and I have always had an interest in language and using it in a satiric way or pointing out the silly things about it. We did a book on politically correct language, a dictionary probably about 10, 15 years ago, which was a quasi-bestseller or a a (laughs) semi-bestseller, as people put it. That means, of course, it wasn't quite a
0: bestseller. Right, exactly.
2: But it sounds much better. And in fact, we bill ourselves as semi-bestselling satirists.
0: But the interesting part of that is, and for people that haven't checked the book out, and they should, is that this is literally a dictionary. Absolutely,
2: <laughs> there's no know, there's
0: no real narrative to the book. There's no story. Well, this the is narrative a dictionary.
2: It's only in the definitions. Right. We try to explain where all these words came from. Right. And uh, we also have a a Spinglish, not only a Spinglish English dictionary to help you understand what business people and politicians are saying or how they're lying to you but we actually have an, an English distinguished section so you can do it yourself and put things over on your friends and colleagues anytime you want. to.
0: Uh, Henry as you as you guys have mentioned uh a little bit in in uh, reading uh the the writing on this book there is there is quite a historic element to this type of language.
1: Yeah amazingly enough i mean the the the, the first and most uh, dramatic example of spin was uttered by Julius Caesar uh, when uh, he took over Gaul, killed at least one million people. Uh, And he called it pacification in Latin, as pacificatio. And it's ironic that 2,000 years later in the Vietnam War, we used exactly the same term to describe some equally violent things. So, yeah, it's been around a long time.
0: We're talking with uh, Henry Beard and uh, Chris Cerf, who are the authors of the book Spinglish, which is the definitive dictionary of deliberately deceptive language. A- am, I am correct, and I said this at the top, that it is it is a language unto its own, but it is incredibly frustrating, Henry, to a majority of the public to stand, or I should say, to watch the news at 6 or 6.30 on a weeknight and hear a politician or hear a corporate CEO just go into, in some respects, it can almost be a rant using a lot of these terms. It, it just, it for the majority of the public, it has to drive them crazy right now.
1: Well, I think it does. And I think one of the reasons why Donald Trump has done as well as he had, among many other reasons, is he is perceived as not being one of the people who uses uh, use obfuscation and, and elaborate terms but it's it, fascinatingly enough that Chris had mentioned the the official politically correct dictionary that he and I did some years ago Donald Trump has managed to use the term political correctness itself as a form of spin and uh, the way he uses it if political correctness refers to you know, obeying the law, following the Constitution of the United States, uh, not shooting uh, uh, immigrants at the border, yeah. doing anything that isn't immediately pers- uh, 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 a violent uh, 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 show of American force. So, yeah, and I, I think you're quite right about the news. I mean, it, it, it's become such a habit, and all, all the candidates for both parties, with very few exceptions, I'll find ways to do it. And, Chris, we covered how many debates where we came up with new spin terms that they were spinning? Yeah,
2: well, every single one. We Henry and I have a little gig on Literary Hub, which is the Atlantic Monthly's website where yeah. we, we we translate every debate after it's over. So we're getting ready for two this week.
0: I, 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 that's exactly right. I, 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 going through this book, I didn't count them all, but how many words did you come up with for this book?
2: There's at least a couple of thousand in there. Probably a few more.
1: Yeah, and the scary thing is, we didn't make any of them up.
0: Right, we, exactly. We all
1: sourced yeah. them all, and we've got footnotes to, to prove it. Some of them we just we, we ourselves were astonished, gobsmacked, laughed out loud. Uh, they're out there. They're being they're being created even as even as we speak.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because one of the ones that that uh, that are in the notes uh, that that we get prior to the book, which is a funny one, is disposable mucus recovery system. <laughs> Which, which which is one that comes up if you don't know what that is it's Kleenex when you go it's to the Kleenex hospital or
2: a box of Kleenex but the reason that that was invented cuz all these words were invented to deceive you in one way or another hospitals a specific hospital actually used that term so they could charge $11 for it on your hospital bill yeah and you know you'd never pay 11 dollars for a box of Kleenex but a disposable mucus recovery uh, cheap at the price
0: it, it's almost a little bit of a justification isn't it for, well for, it's a
2: way of covering it up yeah it's reality augmentation as we might
0: call it. <laughs> I, I'm guessing then the, the potential of not only politicians but you know the joke the jokes going around for years about the military and military spending probably they would probably use some of these terms as well.
1: Masters of it, they've they come up with stuff you can't. You can't. Well, it's, some of it's kind of unpleasant. Like when you drop a bomb on the wrong place, like a hospital, that's incontinent ordinance. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, the plane and the just,
2: collateral it, don't, damage, don't, of yeah. course, that, is the famous one for uh, that. But uh, that's yeah. pure spingless. Yeah,
0: which is, which is amazing, considering there actually was a movie made with that with that term.
2: Yeah. Well, everybody yeah. knows what it means, which is one of the problems. With this kind of language, you have to keep reinventing it because yeah. people catch on after a while. A good example of that is enhanced interrogation techniques, which is what the Bush administration and the CIA called actually torture. Yeah, But everybody knows that now. So now they use the abbreviation for it, EITs, and nobody knows what they are, so they can still get away with it.
0: It, it makes me wonder if, if that there isn't somebody in Washington, D.C., That teaches this as a class for incoming (laughs) congressmen. You know, maybe
2: we should do it. it Spinglish. Maybe you could get us a gig there.
0: Spinglish one oh one. I like it. I like it. You know, you could do that. Or maybe you know what? As you go from president to president, there's a a spinglish diary left. By press secretary to press secretary to press secretary, <laughs> because are. those are the guys that are that are that are right up there as well.
1: They're the ones. They're the ones. That's a great idea. And, I, and in fact, even though that probably doesn't physically exist, as a practical matter, that really is what happens. Yeah. We also encounter what we call has been called the euphemism treadmill. A good example is you know we used to call terrible economic reverses were called crashes or panics.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then in
1: the great one in 1930, they said, well, come up with a nice soft term, depression. Well, depression we can't use anymore. You can't <laughs> right. even use recession. The latest ones are what, Chris? Equity retreat? Equity retreat or correction <laughs> is my correction.
0: Correction is a big because one. Yes, correction
2: yeah. means something good, right? Just because you lost a few thousand dollars today in the market, you
0: know. Yeah, correction is a big one, especially with the way that that Wall Street has been up and down the last uh, the last couple of years. Everybody's been waiting for that correction. Correct. That, well, h- we've
2: been
1: doing a bit of correcting the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, we, uh, Yes, we have. Uh, to both of you, Henry, I'll start with you. Yeah. What's your favorite word?
1: Well, one, one of my favorites is, as Chris pointed out, this is uh, both a Spinglish English and English Spinglish dictionary. So there's a section, in fact, that lets you use Spinglish yourself. Right. And a classic example is if you're goofing off in the office and the boss comes in and says, You know, Jones, you're goofing off, you say, No, boss, I was zero tasking.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, that's a good one. Chris, what about you?
2: Well, I, I love a lot of these, of course, but all the terms for fired kind of amuse me that uh, CEOs never want to say that they had to lay off everybody in their company. Yeah. So first of all, they say they didn't they didn't lose money. They had great negative growth last quarter. And then they talk about um, right-sizing their company, yeah. which, of course, basically firing firing everybody but they get a raise because they did something good. Uh my favorite term for fired by the way is offering someone a career change opportunity. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds <laughs> and One really, good. really did say that.
0: 844 wharton is the number if you'd like to jump in and ask a question of our of our guest uh, Henry Beard and Christopher Surf and who knows. If you call in maybe we'll give you one of these terms and have you try and define it. 844-942-7866. It's funny. I you know, I when I uh, when I came over to the studio from my office, you know, make sure you bring you bring the book with you and I just opened the book a second ago to page 184 which has a very unique term on it which I think everybody in education and uh, and, and students would 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 be very interested in in figuring out unattributed overlap. <laughs> <laughs> Which basically means plagiarism.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's a nicer way to say that, isn't it? I mean, there, there are don't want of come ways right to come right out say that was that
0: How about unattributed or maybe unintended overlap? Because you can't really say it's unintended if yeah. you overlapped.
1: But, but there's other well, wonderful that drive plagiarism bad citation, duplication of a paper that's already been published, failure to use quotation marks around material taken verbatim from another source. Improper dependence, inappropriate copying, <laughs> yep. unacknowledged repetition.
0: Come on. How about regeneration harvesting for all those people <laughs> that are out there in the logging community?
2: Yeah, that basically means clear-cutting a forest, cutting down everything in sight. But, it, you know, the industry has made it sound great.
0: It's, it's You're helping. It, it's amazing that, you know, and, and you think about it, it that... At, well, let me ask you this, guys. How long did it take you to... to to, to pull all of these words together and pull this book together, because as you said, probably a lot of them are fed to you by politicians on an almost daily basis. But and some of these, too. yeah, and some of these though, you probably had to search for them, or maybe got uh, were passed them on from somebody else.
2: Well, yes, and the internet, of course, is a wonderful source of all this. If you just look up uh, scandal or lie or whatever or cover up, you yeah. find find a lot of stuff. And, of course, we we are very attuned to it now. So, you know, we find new ones every day. Marketing we haven't really talked about, but that's filled with it. Uh, A great term is evaporated cane juice, for example, which is, you know, companies didn't want to put sugar as an ingredient. (laughs) That's right. On on their list of ingredients because people don't think that's healthy. But evaporated cane juice sounds healthy. It's just sugar, of course.
0: Well, and there's another one, which actually I I just flipped to, called Being a Mixologist, which actually is a bartender, which actually, I think, if memory serves you, maybe one of the first times I ever heard that term was in the Tom Cruise movie that he did, where he was a bartender, and he was all over the place. Cocktail.
2: That's right. Uh, Absolutely. It's a science. Come on!
0: Exactly right. Uh, besides your favorite movie, uh, favorite words in here, is, is there one that is maybe one that that really kind of epitomizes all of the bad that 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 this can kind of do? Ooh,
1: that's a tough question. Um, well, certainly, uh, I don't know if it's that bad, but the fact that the funeral director would be an after death care provider or a bereavement <laughs> death care provider or, or a post health professional. It was kind of, you know, it was
0: pretty special. Post health professional. Post health professional. Right. Oh I also
2: like some of the excuses or some of the cover up words that politicians use to avoid responsibility. A, a famous one was uh, after, during the hostage crisis in Iran when we had that unsuccessful raid mm-hmm. to free them. Yeah. Carter came on television and said that the raid had been an incomplete success. <laughs> yeah. Hi- <laughs> That's a good term to use in business. It's, if you screw something up, you just say it was an incomplete success. Or if you haven't started something you were supposed to finish, you just say you're in the early stages of finalization. That works well.
0: you know. And the other interesting thing about this, and just having gone through a lot of these words, is that when you read some of these words in here, you can probably automatically think to something that maybe has happened in your life or a friend's life. You, you know, they, they, they will attribute themselves directly to incidents that may have happened. I, I threat leak detection and repair specialist. <laughs> well, okay. I, I've had to deal with plumbers before, but I never called them a leak detection and repair specialist.
2: Well, they probably insulted that you didn't.
0: I, I might be. It. It's but
2: sure it, yeah. Like that, and you can pay them twice as much because they use it.
0: I, I was going to say, there probably has to be a, a rate increase on that, on that terminology.
2: That. For That's sure. one of the reason people inflate their job titles. But of course, companies inflate your title as as uh, a substitute for giving you a raise. They give you a promotion with no raise attached. So, so <laughs> who used somebody used to be a secretary is now a you know an administrative uh, assistant or more. Uh, associate uh, administrative associates even better
0: uh, as somebody that that uh, it has been involved in sports a good portion of my life is there a good uh, good two one or two sports terms that you've included in the book
2: Oh, there are lots of them. Yeah, well, a rebuilding phase. Oh, the God. A rebuilding phase is just an awful team that you would never watch, if you if you called it the way you should. Or a banger is a good term. Yeah. A basketball player who can't do anything but run into other people and foul them. You never hear... Uh, Someone like Michael Jordan called it a banger, even if he fouled a bunch of people.
0: For those of us that that live here in Philadelphia and are dealing with a a miserable professional basketball team right now, rebuilding is a bad term here in Philadelphia (laughs) right now.
2: Well, it's better than saying what the Sixers are really doing.
0: Exactly right. There's also, (laughs) speaking of sports, game improvement clubs. We, yeah, which this is
1: great we, as, as 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 a as a, a semi handicapped golfer myself. Yeah. that was a brilliant uh, uh, term used by uh, the club manufacturers, basically to say clubs that would make it possible for the worst possible golfer to sort of hit the ball. Uh, uh, they were a little more expensive. They had funny, they had, you know graphite shafts and, and very forgiving heads. But just the idea that I put this club in your hand and your game immediately improves—it's brilliant.
0: Well, it's it, great marketing. Yeah, and, and there's and there's uh, there's a variety of different uh, different terms that, as we said at the top, have kind of made the vernacular uh, of everybody on a on a day to day basis. One which you put in here, which the, uh, the the retail industry has really capitalized on over the last decade or so, is the term full figured.
1: That's almost yeah. politically correct. It's like, you're yeah. not fat or obese, you're Rubenesque, you're full figured. Though, so, you know, what, what we we found, having done the Politically Correct Dictionary, there's sort of a crossover point. But pure political correctness is, you're kind of being nice, like you said, you're full figured. But usually in spin, it's not just that you're being nice. I'm trying to sell you something, I'm trying to get your vote. Yeah. So I'll compliment you and then try to sell you something under the table.
0: We're talking with uh, Henry Beard and, and Chris Cerf, who are the authors of, of the book Spinglish, uh, the definitive dictionary of deliberately deceptive language. I, I can't imagine what it was like, and I, to go away from the book for a second, what it has to be like working at National Lampoon, especially with the two of you around.
1: Well, it was a challenge. Well of course, back in those days, we, our timing was perfect. Uh, good. I think Chris and I did our first collaboration in, in the spring of 1970, the first yeah, the first issue was, I guess, March of April 1970, but everything that, had been, that we had been told that it was forbidden turned out not to be. You know, there's a huge door yeah. that they do not enter. We touched it and fell off its hinges. So uh, we were able to, you know, publish things that nobody had. We also had the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 it may not sound like an advantage, but it really was an advantage. We were so desperate for material, when a monthly magazine really seems to have a deadline every 12 days, we would publish anything. So there was sure. nobody ever said, oh, no, you can't do that. So not only can you do that, can you do it over another five pages? So uh, we were very lucky.
0: Chris, what it was like for you? Well, I think Henry summed
2: it up. Uh, it was wonderful to have a place where not only could you write about things that amused you or annoyed you, but where you could have some of the most brilliant cartoonists and illustrators in the world at your disposal. You know, So we were able to, one of the, my favorite articles we did was a, was a complete uh, miracle Monopoly cheating kit. It was a whole <laughs> bunch of cards and things you could use to cheat at Monopoly, and you know you just slip them into the pile of chance cards and all. But we were actually able to print those cards so you could tear them out of the magazine. It wasn't just a joke; it was actually done. And the purple ten thousand was a once in a lifetime yeah. opportunity to do stuff like
0: that. We're talking with Henry Beard and Chris Surf. Their book is uh, Spinglish. Your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two. Seven eight six six. If you'd like to uh, jump in and uh, ask a question, or we may even throw you a term to see how good you are at at, at taking care of Spinglish. Uh, and you know what? In this in this day and age of of how uh, the country is run and and uh, government forms, data collection is one term that is always out there right now, and probably is never going to go away because of the internet age.
1: Data collection, of course, is as we all know. I mean, you're basically just spying on people. But yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a that's a perfect example of uh, uh, yeah. The internet age is is, is is certainly susceptible to this to a degree that maybe nobody could ever have imagined.
0: I just turned to one, and, and this is really going to test the limits of being on satellite radio mm-hmm. for for a second. Discussion partner.
2: Yes, well, that basically is um, if you have have uh, sex, phone calls exactly, or, right. or chatting on the internet. That's what you <laughs> the person you're talking to is your discussion partner.
0: Isn't that great? Uh,
2: what I, you know, you can say you do that for a living, and you know, without okay. anybody condemning
0: you. I, I mean, it's it, it, seemingly you've put these couple of thousand of of, of words and terms together, and, and and I get the feeling that there may be another version of this coming out in another five to ten years.
2: Oh, we hope well, it might to be a that. lot sooner yeah. than that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just every debate, you keep hearing new ones. You know, that Carly Fiorina, I wish she was doing better, because she's particularly good at coming up with them. She had that long description of what, uh, well, the whole, issue, whole issues around pro-life and pro-choice, which are yeah. prime spinglish words in themselves. But she described what Hillary Clinton's goals were in a way that, I don't know if I can even match it, but it had to do with uh, selling. that the whole industry was just designed to sell parts, you know, and it uh, turned out she'd made up the entire thing that she saw.
0: There's also one in here that, that's interesting as well, and probably a lot of politicians have said it, and, and probably a, your, your friends will say it to you as well from time to time, and when you hear it, you probably know it's the exact opposite, is, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. And, and if you hear that, chances are they didn't hear what you're saying.
2: Well, they did, and they disagree completely, and right. they're about to completely blow you out of the water. And even better, one of those is, uh, with all due respect, <laughs> right, Exactly. with all due respect, you know, the next thing is going to be unprintable, that they
1: say. Yeah, basically, yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it, it's it's a phenomenal book guys uh let's just do a couple more why because we only have a, a minute uh, or two left uh oh okay kinetic military action which well, that's
2: obama's uh, yep. one of his great contributions that's basically war or combat yeah but it sounds a, a lot more palatable than saying you're sending people over to get killed in combat Like boots on the ground is another example of
0: that. And and that's an interesting one that I'll bring up because that is something that I've heard a lot of that's used a lot in the news industry right now because of of reporters going to chase a story, and and they talk about that being boots on the ground.
1: That's great, and that's a wonderful example of how these things cross over the border from the the military to journalism. Once these terms get into the vocabulary which of course we the book is all about they really they really just become uh, it just sounds like a normal word oh yeah it's just boots on the ground and people say what but yeah it's mm-hmm. a perfect example
0: you uh, and you also have a variety of terms in here that do kind of uh, that are similar to the same same concept. We talked about, you know, various uh phrases that talk about firing or restructuring. There's one you put in here, synergy related headcount restructuring. Oh gosh.
2: Yeah, well some company, I forget which company, but announced He's that. Said, CEO made that announcement. The minute you hear anything that sounds like that, you know that the company's in big trouble and they're, they're laying off half or more of their staff.
0: You've yeah, got, the
1: more syllables, the more of the losses. You've, you've, got, yeah.
0: you, you've got Nokia Sim, Siemens as the company that... Uh, that's it, it was
1: Nokia it, Siemens. That did. They were really in deep trouble, and of course they were even deeper trouble, but that's one of the better ones you know, in the book. I love that. And,
0: and I guess there are companies that have done this, uh, at, oh, and I'm running out of time, but quickly in about 30 seconds, <laughs> you mentioned about Starbucks, and obviously the, the concept of lots and the size of lattes is part of this as well.
2: Oh, sure. A tall latte is the smallest one you can get.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. No, of
1: course not. Not supposed to.
0: Guys, I wish I could keep you. I'm running up at the end of the show, but this is a great book. And and absolutely, when you get the next version, we're bringing you back.
2: Oh, thanks so much. It's It's a a lot of fun.
0: It's a phenomenal book. Henry, Chris, thank you again. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton,